بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله أحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله ما بعد فإن أحسن الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وإن شر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار In the previous lesson we looked at the position of Ahlul Bayt Ahlul Bayt or Ahlul Bayt in Islam And Shaykh Al-Islam Rahimahullah in what is ascribed to him of this poetry He mentions, after mentioning the Sahaba That the love of the Sahaba, all of them is for me a school of doctrine he mentioned specifically the Ahlul Bayt. That by love of the Qurba, which means the family of the Prophet, وسلم, that with that I seek nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, in the previous lesson, our discussion was centered around the Ahlul Bayt, the proof for the special status of the Ahlul Bayt, loving the Ahlul Bayt, proof from the Quran, from the Sunnah. And we discussed an issue uh, regarding the Sahaba, the tribulations uh, that happened amongst the Sahaba, and the origin of the sects of the Rafida, the origin, the beginnings of the, ref, uh, the, 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 the uh, sect of the Khawarij. And we looked at some historical issues uh, regarding that. So today's lesson, we are still on the same line of uh, poetry, because he mentioned here, وَمَوَدَّةُ الْقُرْبَى Biha atawassalu That through this love of Ahlul Bayt Do I seek nearness to Allah And so the issue of tawassul Tawassul Then this is something that the shaykhs here that they discuss And so what we'll do inshallah ta'ala In the rest of this lesson We will try to discuss the issue of tawassul From the speech of Shaykh Salih al-Suhaymi Hafizahullah And uh, just speak of the understanding of Ahlul Sunnah Regarding tawassal, because this is an issue in which there is confusion spread by those who are connected and attached to the people in the graves and who worship those who are in the graves, and they use different labels and titles and they call it with a name which is other than the Sharia name. So the word tawassal is used to incorporate other things which is not from tawassal, which is not from the tawassal which is in the Sharia. Rather, it is either shirk, which is prohibited and unlawful, or it is something that is innovation, bid'ah, and which is a means that leads towards a shirk. So, seeing the importance of this topic, then inshallah we'll dedicate the rest of this lesson just to give the understanding of Ahlul Sunnah from the Quran, from the Sunnah, from how the Salaf understood the verses in the Quran, so we have a clear uh, understanding of this. So, the Shaykh mentions here, first of all, that this topic of Wasila, at-tawassul wal-wasila These words are used for the same thing At-tawassul al-wasila And we see in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned the wasila In two verses in the Quran Two ayat in the Quran And so the Shaykh mentions them The first of them is in Surah Al-Ma'idah The fifth Surah, verse number 35 In this ayah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He commands, he says Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu attaqullaha وَابْتَغُوا إِلَيْهِ الْوَسِيلَةَ 
وَجَاهِدُوا فِي سَبِيلِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ That all you who believe, have the taqwa of Allah. And seek towards him a means of neeness. Al-wasila. وَابْتَغُوا إِلَيْهِ الْوَسِيلَ Seek a means of neeness to him. And strive in his path in order that you may be successful. And the second verse in which the word wasila is mentioned is in Surah Al-Isra, the 17th Surah. Verse number 57. And in this ayah, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ يَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهُمْ الْوَسِيلَةِ أَيُّهُمْ أَقْرَبُ وَيَرْجُونَ رَحْمَتَهُ وَيَخَافُونَ عَذَابَهُ إِنَّ عَذَابَ رَبِّكَ كَانَ مَحْذُورًا He says, those whom they call upon, themselves seek a means of neeness to their Lord, to see which of them is closest. And they hope in his mercy, and they fear his punishment. Indeed, the punishment of your Lord is something to be cautious of. And we see in the sunnah, this word wasila is mentioned once in an authentic hadith. And this is the hadith which relates to when the mu'addin, when he makes the adhan, and then we repeat what the mu'addin says. At the end we make a supplication. And in this supplication we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to bestow upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam with the wasila and the fadila, the wasila and the fadila, and this is explained to to refer to the lofty station, al maqamul mahmud, the lofty position, the lofty station on yawm al qiyamah, when the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he will make shafa'a for his ummah or for the the various types of shafa'a that will take place. So we see here then that the word wasila is mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Now as people of the Sunnah, when we see words which are mentioned in the Qur'an, then we have a certain methodology when we try to understand what is the meaning of these words. So we explain the Qur'an by the Qur'an. And if we don't find anything in the Qur'an, then we go to the Sunnah. And if we don't find anything in the sunnah, then we go to the speech of the sahaba radiyallahu anhum. And if we don't find anything in the speech of the sahaba, then we go to the kalam of the salaf, the imams, the scholars amongst the salaf. And from the, the meaning the tabi'een, the, 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 the followers of the tabi'een and the tabi'een. And if we do not find, so, so when we find in their speech, an explanation of a word or of a word which is in the Qur'an, then no one else can come along and start bringing his own ideas and interpretations of what he thinks this word means. His speech counts for nothing. So when we go back to the speech of the Salaf, what did they, how did they explain this word wasila? So we go to the statement of Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah. The Mufassir Imam al-Tabari ibn Jarir al-Tabari. He died in the year 310. So he says regarding this verse, The first verse that we mentioned in Surah Al-Ma'idah. So he said, At-Tabari says, Meaning, It means to respond to Allah. Respond to Allah with whatever He commanded you and with whatever He prohibited you. وَطْلُبُوا إِلَيْهِ الْوَسِيلَةِ بِالْعَمَلِ بِالْعَمَلِ بِمَا يُرْضِيهِ بِمَا يُرْضِيهِ That seek 
a wasila towards him by doing that which he that that which pleases him and seek a wasila seek a means of neenness to him by doing an action which pleases him and respond to Allah in whatever he commanded you and prohibited you and seek neenness to him so he mentions this type of speech and this type of meaning and then when we go to ibn kathir rahimahullah in his tafsir he says the same kalam as imam at-tabari he repeats the same thing that al-wasila here means when Allah commands you to make a wasila it means do righteous deeds this is the wasila this is the means of approach do what Allah has commanded keep away from what he has prohibited this is the wasila and ibn abbas radiyallahu anhuma he said that al-wasila here means al-qurba al-qurba which means right seeking nearness to Allah by righteous deeds and likewise al-wasila means al-islam al-islam meaning submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when we go to what the salaf said and what the sahaba said this is the tafsir this is the interpretation of the word al-wasila in the quran and we see we compare this with what has been claimed by those people who came in the later times and they began to give a new understanding to this word wasila so wasila as we know from the sahaba and the salaf it is to seek nearness to allah by the righteous deeds your righteous deeds are the wasila this is what brings you close to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then they changed this and they said that al wasila is an individual that you put between yourself and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you use him as a means to reach allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you can't go go to him directly rather this is the ways and means this is the wasila and so they set up between allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his creation intermediaries these people these individuals and so they call upon them invoke them please them and you know as a result of which they fall into either shirk or they fall into in some of the actions they fall into bid'ah or that which is minor shirk which leads to the major shirk and so this understanding of the wasila came many 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 centuries afterwards it is not known with anyone amongst the salaf not amongst the sahaba not amongst the tabi'in not amongst the tabi tabi'in so we see here that this is the understanding the fahm of the sahaba and the salaf radiyallahu anhum so the first verse that mentions al wasila its meaning clearly is respond to allah in whatever he commanded you whatever he prohibited you do righteous deeds do your own actions be sincere in those actions and all of this is the meaning of the wasila which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded then we move to the second verse so the first verse now is clear as for the second verse in the second verse allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said ulaika alladhina yad'una yabtaguna ila rabbihim alwasila ayyuhum aqrab that those whom they call upon themselves seek a means of nearness to their lord to see which of them is closer now this ayah requires a bit of explanation so the sheikh uh, mentions the whole passage there's a passage that uh, occurs before this ayah so we understand the context so let's take it word by word so in this ayah in surah 56 and 57 so we look at the verse before and verse 57 allah says in this ayah qul qul say who is this addressed to this is addressed to the prophet muhammad 
sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he's commanding him to say, قُلْ Say, say, قُلْ قُلِدُعُ الَّذِينَ He says, call upon those, call upon those. Who is the messenger speaking to? He's speaking to mankind, to the men. So he's saying to, the, to this group of people, he's saying to them, Udu'ul ladina, which means call upon those. So now he's saying to them, call upon those. Alladina za'amtum, those whom you claim. Who are those other people? Those other people are in fact the jinn. The jinn. So the Messenger Muhammad is ordered to say to a group of people, You people, call upon those whom you claim. Who are those? They are the jinn. So he says, Call upon those whom you claim besides Allah. Besides Allah. They will not be able to repel any harm, to remove any harm. That they are not able to remove any harm from you. Nor are they able to change your situation. So, after mentioning this, we see that the context is that the Messenger of Allah is saying to a group of people, these people, they used to worship the jinn. They used to call upon the jinn, they used to worship the jinn. So Allah commanded him to say to these people, call upon those, those whom you are claiming besides Allah, who are the jinn. They cannot bring, they cannot remove any harm from you. They cannot change your situation or your condition. Then this is where the verse occurs now. This is where the ayah occurs now. So he then says, That those whom they call, are calling upon, which means the jinn, those whom they are calling upon, which are the jinn, they themselves, they are seeking a means of nearness to their Lord. To see which of them is closer to him. So here when he says, It means here the jinn. The jinn are seeking a wasila. As he says, يَبْتَغُونَ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمُ الْوَسِيلَ So these jinn, who are being worshipped by the men, they themselves are seeking a wasila to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we go back to the explanations of the scholars, we get further clarification as to what's happening here. What's the context of this ayah? So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu, he says um, that there used to be a people. كَانَ نَاسٌ مِنَ الْإِنسِ يَعْبُدُونَ نَاسًا مِنَ الْجِنِّ There used to be a group of people from the men. They used to worship a group of people from the jinn. فَأَسْلَمَ الْجِنِّ But the jinn then became Muslim. They accepted Islam. وَبَقِيَ الْإِنسُ عَلَىٰ إِبَادَتِهِمْ But the men continue to worship those jinn. And then we see in another narration, he says, there used to be a group of people from the men. We used to worship a group of people from the jinn. And so the same, yeah, so the same narration again. And then Ibn Hajar, uh, rahimullah, he comments upon this. And he says that the, the men, they continued worshipping the jinn. Yet the jinn were not pleased that they were being worshipped. Because they themselves had, had accepted Islam. So now we understand the context of this verse. The Prophet Muhammad he was ordered to say to these people, 
that those whom you are calling upon, those whom you are worshipping, they themselves, they've accepted Islam, they themselves are seeking a means of leanness to the Lord. So we see here the word wasila, the word wasila therefore is referring to the Islam of the jinn. The jinn became Muslim, they began to worship Allah alone, they began to fulfill the commands and the prohibitions of Allah, and all of this was the wasila by which they were becoming closer to Allah and seeking closeness to their Lord. So in, in, in other words, the answer here is, what is the, the answer? The answer here is that how can you people, you people here, you are taking the jinn as intermediaries between yourselves and Allah, you are calling upon them, you are worshipping them. How can you take them as a wasila when the jinn themselves, when they themselves, they have become Muslim and they are seeking the wasila to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly, which is what? To do what he commanded, to keep away from what he prohibited. The greatest of which is to keep away from shirk and to worship Allah alone. This is the, is the wasila. So the meaning of the verse is a refutation of these, of these people. So once we understand the context of this verse, it becomes very clear to us how it is a refutation of those people who claim to take intermediaries between themselves and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to call upon them, to invoke them, to offer sacrifices to them and to use them as the means of approach to Allah and then claim that this is the wasila which is commanded in the Qur'an and the sunnah. And this, is, this ayah is a refutation when you understand the wider context of what is really taking place here. So now the meaning of wasila in the Qur'an is very apparent, it's very clear from the, uh, the context of these verses. And when we go back to the Mufassireen, the classical scholars like At-Tabari, and after him Ibn Kathir, when they bring narrations from Ibn Abbas and the other scholars, Abdullah Ibn Mas'ud, we see clearly the understanding of the word wasila. Righteous actions, responding to Allah, responding to His Messenger, obeying Allah, obeying His Messenger, this is the wasila. Then we see the word wasila in the sunnah, as we mentioned, the hadith which relates to the adhan, and when the messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he said, when the muadhin makes the adhan, when the muadhin makes the adhan, then you say the likes of what he says, then ask for me the wasila and the fadila, for indeed it is a, a station that will not be achieved or received by any person from mankind, and I hope that I. Except, except, except for one man from mankind. And I hope that I will be that, that one or that person. So as you know, after the Adhan, we make the supplication. Allahumma rabbi hadihi da'wati tama wa salatil qa'imah aati muhammadin al-wasila wal-fadila wa ba'athu al-maqam al-mahmud alladhi wa'addahu. That, oh, they say, O oh Lord, O Allah, O oh Lord, Lord of this perfect supplication and this established prayer, give Muhammad the wasila and the fadila. What does this mean? What is this wasila then that we are asking that the Messenger of Allah be given this wasila and this fadila? What is it? And the answer is that it is the shafa'a on Yawmul Qiyamah. On the Day of Judgment, it is the shafa'a which the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam will be given. And the shafa'a itself is actually supplication is dua, meaning 
that the Messenger وسلم, will be granted the ability on Yawmul Qiyamah to make dua for the benefit of the people. Right? So this is, this is what, it, what is meant. That when we ask for the wasila be, to be given to the Messenger, we are saying, O oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, grant Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam that lofty station on Yawmul Qiyamah whereby you will give him permission to make dua which will be for the benefit of the people for the you know for the for the for the for the, for the muslims for the ummah this is what is meant here by the word al wasila so built upon all of this we see clearly that there is nothing at all in this word al wasila as it occurs in the quran or in the sunnah anything at all which suggests that the people take between themselves and between Allah, individuals, intermediaries, righteous people, whether dead or alive, and to make them the focal point of their worship and devotion and servitude, and then use that thinking that this will bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No, rather this is from the shirk for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala condemned many, many people in the Qur'an, and for which the Messenger وسلم, was sent to abolish this type of shirk which is the greatest crime that Allah does not forgive. So, from this, we now have a clear understanding of what the word wasila itself means. There should, shouldn't be any confusion. Two verses in the Qur'an and the hadith of the Messenger it is very clear in our minds. From this point now, now we understand what it, what it, what it means. We now need to look at the tawassal in the sharia and how it has been categorized. So we have tawassal, which is legislated in Islam. There's something which is legislated in Islam. And there is a tawassal which is prohibited in Islam, which is a tawassal which is bid'i. It is innovated. It was not known to the Sahaba or the Tabi'een or the Tabi'een. And likewise, this tawassal which is innovated itself falls into two types. One which comprises shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one which does not reach the level of shirk which is merely bid'ah, it is innovation, and it is something that leads to the major shirk. So inshallah ta'ala, we will look at each of these two categories, that which is legislated, and that which is prohibited. So as for the one which is legislated, then it is, when the scholars have looked at this topic, and they have studied all the verses in the Qur'an, and they have studied all of the sunnah of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, through comprehensive study, they have found that all the permitted forms of tawassal, meaning those ways and means by which we become closer to Allah, that they simply fall into three categories. There are only three types. There is no fourth category whatsoever. There's only three categories. So every means of nearness and closeness to Allah, it will only fall into one of three categories. And... What are these three categories? Well, the first of them, let's mention the three first. First of them is to make tawassal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of His names and attributes. By way of His names and attributes. Inshallah, we will elaborate upon this in a short while. The second one is to seek a means of nearness to Allah by righteous deeds, by righteous actions. And the third means of nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is through the supplication of a righteous person, of a living, righteous Muslim. Living, righteous Muslim. 
So these three have the evidences from the Quran and from the Sunnah. So as for the first one, how do you seek nearness to Allah by way of His names and attributes? Well, this takes place when, for example, you have a need, there's a need, and then you find, you see that there are from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which are appropriate and relevant to that need. So by way of example, you would say, Ya Rahim, Ya Rahim, O one who shows mercy to his servants, Irhamni, show mercy to me. So we see a person is seeking mercy from his Lord. So he invokes Allah by the name which is related to that issue he is seeking. Ya Rahim, O one who is merciful, show mercy to me, Irhamni. And likewise, Ya Ghafoor, Irfirli, O one who is forgiving, forgive me. Ya Qawi, Qawini, O one who is strong and powerful, give me strength and give me power. Ya Alim, O one who is all-knowing, Alimni, teach me knowledge, give me knowledge. Ya Kareem, O one who is generous, kind, Kareem, Akrimni, show me generosity and kindness. Ya Hakim, Ya Hakim, O one who is wise, Urzuqni al-hikmata, bestow upon me wisdom. And so you see the, the general idea that basically you call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a name that is relevant to the need that you are seeking. And from the Qur'an, what is the evidence for this from the Qur'an? Then we see in the Qur'an, we see the tawassal, the tawassal of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam, he made tawassal to Allah using this way. So we say, so we see that in uh, uh, that he says in Surah Ibrahim, "Rabbana inni askantu min zuriyati biwadin ghairi di zarin inda baytikal muharram." He says, "O oh my Lord, indeed, I made my offspring to settle in this valley, in this valley which has no vegetation." There's no vegetation in, in this valley, meaning here in, in Makkah. And I made my offspring, my progeny, I made them to settle here, next to the sacred house. Next to the sacred house. Then later on he continues and he says, Rabbana innaka ta'lam. Rabbana innaka ta'lam. O our Lord, indeed you know. You know. So he mentioned, Rabb who is the Lord, which is one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he mentioned an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, innaka ta'lam, innaka ta'lam. So we have an ism, and we have a sifa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a name and an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here he is making his tawassal, he's mentioning a name of Allah, and he's mentioning an attribute of Allah. He says, Rabbana innaka ta'lamu ma nukhfi wa ma nu'lin. O our Lord, indeed you know, what we conceal, what we conceal inside, and what we make open, وَمَا يَخْفَى عَلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ And nothing is hidden from Allah فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا فِي السَّمَاءِ Nothing from the earth, what is in the earth, what is in the heaven, is hidden from Allah. So he's mentioning here, the name of Allah, and he's mentioning the ilm of Allah, the perfect ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is now the beginnings of the tawassal to Allah by way of a name and an attribute. Then he says, Alhamdulillah, 
Alhamdulillahilladhi wahabali And all praises due to Allah who bestowed upon me. So now he's making shukr to Allah. Now he's being grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, all praises due to Allah who bestowed upon me alal kibari in my old age. Ismaila wa ishaqa inna rabbi la sami'ud dua. Who bestowed upon me in my old age Ismail and Ishaq, indeed my Lord is one who is Sami'ud Dua, one who listens to the supplication. Now he mentions another name, as Sami' the one who hears. So we see this is the, the tawassul taking place right here. Then he says, Rabbij alni salati wa min Now look, this is what he's asking for. Right? So initially he's mentioned Rabb, the one who knows, his knowledge is perfect. The one who listens to the dua, the one whose name is Allah. All of these are names and attributes. Then he says what he's asking for. He said, Rabbi O my Lord, make me one who establishes the salah. And likewise from my offspring. Rabbana wataqabal dua. And O my Lord, accept my dua, accept my supplication. Rabbana ghfirli waliwalidiya walilmu'minina yawma yakumul hisab. Then he says, O oh my Lord, forgive me and my parents and for the believers the day on which the accounting will be established. This here is an example of tawassul, the tawassul which is legislated from one of the greatest prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is a tawassul which is a tawassul by way of Allah's names and attributes. A second example is the tawassul of Yusuf alayhi salam. He said, رَبِّ قَدْ آتَيْتَنِي مِنَ الْمُلْكِ وَعَلَّمْتَنِي مِنْ تَأْوِيلِ الْأَحَدِيثِ He says, O oh my Lord, you have indeed given me from dominion. And likewise, you have, you have taught me the interpretation of speech. You've taught me how to interpret the, the, the speech. And all of this, this is from the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The mulk of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The ilm, because he gave mulk to Yusuf. And he gave ilm to Yusuf alayhi salam. So all of these are from the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then what did he ask? What did he say thereafter? He said, He said then, فَاتِرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ dunya wal He then said, The fatir, the originator of the heavens and the earth. You are my wali, you are my protector in the world and the hereafter. So we see more names being mentioned of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who is the fatir, the one who is the wali. So we have more names. So after mentioning all of these things, what was it did he ask for at the end? He said, Tawaffani Musliman Take me, meaning at death, as a Muslim. This is his supplication. Take me at death as a Muslim as one who submits, and make me joined with the righteous. Join me with the righteous. This is a second example of tawassul by a prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of his names and his attributes. And then we see there are other examples in the Quran. We can see other examples at the beginning of Surah Ghafir, at the end of Surah Ibrahim, at the, in Surah Ar-Ra'ad. There are many other examples, all of which show that this is something which is established in the Qur'an of seeking a wasila to Allah 
by way of his names and his attributes. And this we see in the example and guidance of the Prophet ﷺ. Then from the Sunnah, the perfect example of this is Salatul Istikhara. Salatul Istikhara, this uh, supplication that we make when we want guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala regarding a matter. When we look at this supplication, we see in essence it is tawassal to Allah by way of his names and attributes. So we see <coughs> a person says uh, in the in the supplication, Allahumma inni astakhiruka bi ilmika wa astakhiruka wa astakhiruka bi kudratik wa as'aluka min fadlika al-azim fa innaka taqdir wala fa innaka taqdir wala aqdir wa ta'lam wala a'lam wa anta 'allamul ghuyub to the end of the dua so person says oh my lord or oh allah indeed i seek your counsel by way of your knowledge the ilm of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i seek through you by way of your power the qudra of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and i ask from your fadl allah's fadl i ask from your bounty for indeed you have power and ability and i am not i do not have power and ability and you wa anta allamul ghuyub and you are the knower of all of the unseen so we see here the names and the attributes of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then a person goes on to mention what his need is oh allah if you know that this matter and he mentions his matter is good for me in my dunya in my hereafter then decree it from me and then bless me in it and so on and so forth to the end of the supplication so the salatul istikhara is an example of where we are making tawassal to allah by way of allah's names and attributes and then we see in another supplication this is a supplication which a person makes when he is in a hard difficult situation a difficult scenario and so in this dua the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said allahumma inni abduk ibn abdik ibn amatik nasiyati bi yadik madin fiya hukmuk adlun fiya qada'uk as'aluka allahumma bi kulli ismin huwa laka samayta bihi nafsik samayta bihi nafsak aw anzaltahu aw anzaltahu fi kitabik aw allamtahu ahadan min khalqik aw istatharta bihi fi ilm alghaybi indak to the end of the supplication here what the person say he says oh allah i am your servant the son of your servant the son of your female servant my forelock is in your hand and your judgment is madin fi hukmuk your judgment applies to me and your qada again your judgment of justice then it applies to me i ask you o lord with every single name that belongs to you which you have named yourself with or which you have revealed in your book or which you have taught to anyone amongst your creation or which you kept with yourself in the knowledge of the unseen so we see here the names of allah are divided into three types every name allah has named himself with it is either something that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he revealed in a book so we know in a book the names of allah or that allah may have taught to anyone from his creation or which allah kept with himself in the knowledge of the unseen and then he continues so this is tawassal at the beginning of the supplication then at the end he mentions the need he says an taj'al alqur'ana rabi'a qalbi wa jala'a hammi wa ghammi wa dhahaba huzni 
that you, O Allah, make the Qur'an to be the spring of my heart. And that you make it to remove my anxiety and my, you know, the, the, the hum, <coughs> when a person feels the hum and stress, and the removal of my sadness. So here we see another example of tawassal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of his names and from his attributes. So there are more examples like this, and we see that clearly this is one of the permitted forms of tawassal in the sharia, seeking nearness to Allah by way of his names and attributes. The second type of tawassal which is permitted in the sharia, then it is tawassal through a person's righteous actions. Al-amal salih And of course, before we discuss the al-amal salih it is understood that the righteous action can only be that which is sincere to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is sought, it, it is done for the sake and for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And secondly, it is in agreement with the sunnah of the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And any action which does not fulfill these two conditions, it is not considered to be a righteous action. Even if it is correct, but not sincere, it is not a righteous action. If it is sincere, but not correct, it is not a righteous action. So righteous action must fulfill these two conditions, sincere and correct. So what are the evidences of this? First of all, from the Quran, which occurs at the end of Surah Ali Imran, verse one hundred. And 93. Here Allah says, and He's describing the believers, and they say, Rabbana innana sami'na munadiyan, yunadi lil iman, an aminu bi rabbikum, fa amanna, Rabbana faghfir lana dhunubana, wa kaffir anna sayyatina, wa tawafana mal abrar. The first half is making tawassal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by mentioning one's righteous deeds. So these believers, what did they say? They said, O oh our Lord, O oh our Lord, indeed we heard a caller who is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We heard a caller calling us to Iman, calling us to Iman, that you should believe in your Lord. So then we believed. Fa'amanna, we believed. So here they're mentioning a righteous deed. This is their righteous deed, that they were invited by a caller to Allah. And so they responded to that call. This response on their behalf is a righteous deed. And then after mentioning this righteous deed, they then said, رَبَّنَا فَغْفِرْ لَنَا ذُنُوبَنَا وَكَفِرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنَا وَتَوَفَّنَا مَا الْأَبْرَارِ So therefore our Lord, forgive us our sins, and expiate for us our evils, and take us away in death, and make us with the righteous people. So we see at the beginning, a mention of a righteous deed, then asking for the thing that a person is seeking. A second example is when the Hawariyin, the helpers, the disciples of Isa alayhi salam, they said, Rabbana amanna bima anzalta wa'attaba'na rasul faktubna ma'ashahideen. He said, they said, O our Lord, we have believed in what you revealed. And then we followed the messenger. So write us down as those who are the shahideen, those who bear witness. So at the beginning, what did they mention? They mentioned that they believed in what you revealed. The Allah, we believed in what you revealed. And on top of that, we followed the messenger. We made ittiba of the messenger. 
So here there's Iman and Ittiba. Iman and Ittiba. So they mention, they put forward their good deeds first of all, then they ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what their particular need is. And this is evidence from the Quran. Surah Ali Imran verse 53, and the previous one was, was verse 193. Then from the Sunnah, there is the well-known and famous hadith of the three men. It's a long hadith about three men who were upon a journey, and then it started to rain, and so they took refuge in a cave, and then the cave, there was a rock, and the, the rock sealed the cave. And so they were stuck. And so what they discussed with each other is that maybe they should mention any deed which they did sincerely and purely for the sake of Allah, that they should make tawassal, they should call upon Allah by way of it. And so then each man in turn, he went. So the first man, he made uh, uh, tawassal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he mentioned how uh, he used to look after his parents, and used to bring them milk and wait upon them all through the night. And even, you know, he would put his parents first before his children. And, you know, he, so he mentioned his good deed. And he said that if you know that I did this for your sake, then re- remove us from this calamity. And so the rock moved a third of the way. Then the second one came. Then he mentioned his good deed, that he was put to trial and tempted, you know, uh, in terms of his chastity and his purity. And then he repelled that and he feared Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he kept away from the haram. And as a result of that, he said, if I did this for your sake, then remove us from this calamity. So the rock moved another third. And then the last person, the third one, he mentioned how he was entrusted with something, meaning in a, in a matter related to trade and business and contract. And, you know, uh, uh, he, he basically uh, acquired a whole load of wealth on account of something that was left with him by a person. And then that person came afterwards and inquiring about you know, what he had left and, he, and, and, and the man who'd made a huge amount of wealth, he then gave it back to him out of trust. So this shows in terms of the relationships and dealings, this man was very honest and truthful and he you know, uh, behaved in this way. So he said, oh Allah, if I did this seeking your face, if I did this seeking your face, then remove us from this calamity. And so the rock actually moved. And this is a famous example of tawassal to Allah by way of one's righteous deeds. Another example is when a man came, in a hadith in which a man came, and he made a dua to Allah whilst the messenger of Allah was listening to him. What was this, what was this dua? This dua was like this. He said, Allahumma inni as'aluk. Oh Allah, I ask you, بِأَنِّي أَشْهَدُ أَنَّكَ أَنْتَ اللَّهِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ الْأَحَدُ الصَّمَدِ الَّذِي لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُلَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ So this man came and he said, Oh Allah, I am asking you because or by way of the fact that I testify there is none which has a right to be worshipped except you. And that you are Al-Ahad and Al-Samad the one who is neither begotten, the one who neither begets nor is begotten, and who has no equal or partner. So here this man, when the, message, the, the, the supplication basically says, Oh Allah, I ask you, I'm asking you, by way of the fact that I testify, so he's mentioning a good deed, this is a good deed, that I testify none has a right to be worshipped except you, that you are Al-Ahad, Al-Samad, and so here is a righteous deed, and he's asking by way of this righteous deed. And so the Messenger when he heard this 
supplication, he said that indeed he has called upon Allah by his greatest name, the greatest name of Allah, which if Allah is asked by way of it, he will give. And if a person calls upon Allah by way of it, then Allah will respond. And this, um, so we see here that uh, this man, he actually combined two types of tawassal in this supplication. He brought the first type of tawassal, which is mention of Allah's names. Because he said, Al-Ahad As-Samad. So he mentioned Allah's names. And on top of that, he made mention of a righteous deed, which is the fact that he testifies there is none which has a right to be worshipped except Allah. So he combined two things, and he made tawassal to Allah by way of that. And the second issue here in this uh, dua is the fact that it is mentioned Allah's greatest name. What is the greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And we see that it is, in fact, the greatest name of Allah is Allah. Allah is, this is the ismul a'adham. Ismullah al-a'adham. The greatest name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see in the Quran, Allah says, bari," That He is Allah, the creator, al-bari, the, 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 the maker, al-musawwir, the fashioner. In surah, in another surah, surah Taha, we see, Allahu la ilaha illahu. In Surah Taha, and likewise Ayatul Kursi. So all of this, the scholars are agreed that the name of Allah, the greatest name of Allah is Allah. It is not like what the Sufis say, that the greatest name of Allah is Hua. Hua. Or that his name is Hu. And then they start bringing all these variations, and uh, Ha, and whatever else, and Ah, and whatever else. And then they sit in a room, and then they chant these names, thinking this is the greatest name of Allah. All of this is Batil. It is, this is from the actions of the shayateen. You know, because this is not from the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The name of Allah is Allah. And all the other names that he mentioned. And these actions they perform, these are devilish shaitanic actions. Because what they're trying to do, is they're trying to reach a state of ecstasy. Like, you know, where they're trying to reach a certain state. And in that state, they believe that they, they, uh, enter into a union with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They, they become into a union with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And all of this is batil and false. And the name, the name of Allah, the greatest name of Allah is Allah. We see these people, Iblis has made deception of them. And the scholars have discussed how they've been deceived by Iblis. And one of the books in this regard is a book called Talbis Iblis, written by Ibn, uh, Ibn al-Jawzi, where he discusses in length how the Sufis has been, have been misguided by Iblis and falling into all these different uh, evil ways and paths. So this now leads us to the third type of permitted uh, tawassul and wasila, and this is making dua or seeking the dua of a righteous person. Make Seeking the dua of a righteous person. And we see that a man or a woman and we see it many times in uh, the sunnah. We see that a man or a woman, he might have a need. He has a need. Everyone has needs. And you feel that maybe you are someone who is weak. You maybe have a weakness in your iman. Or you see that your knowledge is little. And, you know, every one of us are in this situation. All of us are in this situation. So a person may go to a person who is righteous and you know he goes to him not setting out to travel but just someone who is around you know around him and 
he sees that maybe he's upon goodness. And you say to him, my brother, call upon Allah, for indeed I have a certain affair or I have like a certain problem or a difficulty. And so call upon Allah. So this approach, this thing here is also established in the, in the sunnah. And it's also established from Umar ibn al-Khattab. And likewise, we see the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Also, he commanded the sahaba, he ordered the sahaba, and he said, or he said to them, that there's a man by the name of Awais al-Qarni, a righteous man, Awais al-Qarni. Whoever meets him, فَلْيَطْلُبْ مِنْهُ أَنْ That whoever meets him, let him ask him to make dua for him. So here we see that in the sunnah it is established to seek the dua of a righteous person. And when we look in the time of the Prophet Muhammad who was the most righteous person? It was the Prophet himself. He was the most righteous person amongst all of the people. For that reason, we see that the Sahaba in the time of the Messenger did not used to ask anyone else to make dua for them except the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Because he is the greatest of those whom the dua, his dua would be answered But then we see that after the passing away of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And when the wahi from the sky ended Then we see that no one, no one would then you know, go to, uh, to the, you know, No one would then ask the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to make dua, rather they would go to the other people who were the most righteous present at that time. Now, there's an issue here, obviously there are some shubahat, some doubts, and some uh, misconceptions that are used by the same people we, are speak, we spoke of earlier, the Sufis, where they claim that it is, it is permissible to go to the Messenger of Allah after he's passed away, and then to start making supplication. You know, to, to, and they use as evidence an ayah in the Quran, which is Surah An-Nisa. This is one of their favorite evidences. In this ayah, Allah says, وَلَوْ أَنَّهُمْ إِذْ أَنفُسَهُمْ جَاءُوكَ فَاسْتَغْفَرُ اللَّهَ وَاسْتَغْفَرَ لَهُمُ الرَّسُولِ لَوَجَدُوا اللَّهَ تَوَّابًا رَحِيمًا That if only those people, when they wronged themselves, they had come to you, O Muhammad, and sought forgiveness from Allah, and the messenger sought forgiveness for them. They would have found Allah to be one who accepts the repentance and the one who is merciful. Surah An-Nisa, verse 64. So the Shaykh explains here this verse. First of all, this verse, who is it speaking of? This verse is, was revealed about the hypocrites. This ayah was revealed about the hypocrites, the munafiqeen, who were not upon Islam. And the meaning here is that... If only those people, those hypocrites, had come to you, O Muhammad, if they'd come, and they had made tawbah, and they openly announced their Islam, they declared their, their, their Islam, then indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would have turned to them, would have accepted their repentance, and you know, if they had sought forgiveness from Allah, and likewise in turn, if the messenger sought forgiveness for them from Allah, then indeed Allah would have been accepting of them. So you see that in here, there is absolutely nothing, there's nothing in this ayah to show that a person can go to the messenger after his passing away and to ask the messenger, O oh, messenger of Allah, you know, call upon Allah for me. There's nothing in this ayah because that ayah 
was speaking about hypocrites who weren't even Muslim. And the ayah explains that if those hypocrites had come to you and they sought forgiveness from Allah themselves and the messenger sought forgiveness for them, then indeed Allah would have been accepting. So this is one of those shubahat that the people used. But in any case, we see that after the passing away of the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they would go to the one who would, they would see to be the most righteous person. So Umar ibn al-Khattab, would go to the uncle of the Messenger of Allah, Al-Abbas. And he would ask Abbas, Al-Abbas radiallahu anhu, to call upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them. And likewise we see that uh, he also, Muawiyah radiallahu anhu, he made Muawiyah to do the rain, the, to do the prayer for the rain. To do the prayer for the rain when there was a, 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 a drought. And likewise we see that also he made Yazid, Bin al-Aswad, a righteous man, made him make uh, tawassal to Allah. And likewise, Ad-Dahak, likewise he also asked Yazid bin al-Aswad. So all of them we see that they're asking the, uh, a righteous person to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for them, for the benefit of the Muslimin. And here an issue is that there are certain conditions that have to be fulfilled when we speak of the dua of a righteous person. He has to be Muslim has to be a Muslim. Why do we say he has to be a Muslim? Because we see there are many ignorant Muslims who go to certain people whom they think are from the awliya of Allah, whereas they are from the awliya of shaitan. These people, these are, these are people who are taghuts, they are, they are people who are worshipped besides Allah, and they are pleased with being worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the person has to be upon tawheed, has to be someone who worships Allah alone. Has to be someone who is actually a Muslim, not just a Muslim in his name, but he's a Muslim in the sense that he's not falling into anything which is kufr. Right? You have many of these people, they claim to have knowledge of the unseen. They claim to, uh, they claim that the awliya have control over life and death. They have many of these beliefs, these beliefs which taken outside of the fold of Islam. So this tawassul, which involves the dua of a righteous person, we are speaking, has to be a Muslim. A Muslim, meaning that he's not falling, he's, uh, he, you know, he's a Muslim as in not a disbeliever, but at the same time, he's not falling into any of the nawaqid of Islam. Not falling into any of those things which, take a, which nullify a person's Islam. Secondly, he has to be salihan, righteous. Of course, he has to be a righteous person, because his dua is likely to be answered. Thirdly, he has to be alive. Hayyan. He has to be alive. Has to be alive. And so, um, we find that there are three situations. There is the world, there is the bazarh, and there is the hereafter. So in the world, it is established that we can ask someone else to make dua for us. That's established, clearly. And in the hereafter, it is established that we can ask someone to make dua for us, because this is shafa'a on yawm al-qiyamah. Because the people will ask the messenger, of, they will go to the prophets, and they will come to the messenger of Allah and they will ask him to intercede, to make dua. So in the hereafter, it is, is, it is established as well. Now the issue is, these people that we're speaking of, they are claiming another type of shafa'a which no one has ever heard of. That's not known from the sahaba, from anybody, which is that someone from the life of the world is asking someone from the bazar to make dua for him. 
Right now, this is something which has no asal, has no foundation, and this is what is what, what these people fall into, in that they start asking people who have died, who have passed away, who are buried, and making du'a upon them. So this third condition that he must be alive, he has to be alive, right? Not he's not someone who's passed away, and the fourth and final one is that he must be someone who has the ability to make du'a to Allah subhanahu wa taala. And so all of these are the various conditions. So here we have the three types of shafa'ah, uh, the, the three types of tawassal. The first one, tawassal by way of Allah's names and attributes. The second one, tawassal by way of the righteous actions. And the third one, tawassal by way of the dua of a righteous living Muslim. So all of this concludes the permissible forms of tawassal in the sharia. Now we move to the innovated forms of tawassal, those which are prohibited. And there are two types. The first one is the tawassal which involves clear shirk. And so this is very clear and apparent to all of us. We don't need to have a long discussion about this. This is when a person, he goes and he calls upon the messenger directly and says, Oh messenger, save me, rescue me. He's asking for rescue, not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but from the messenger of Allah, or from you know Ali, or from Hussein, or from Abu Bakr, or from anyone like this, anhum, or from Jibreel, alayhi salam, or he asks for mercy to be shown to him from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of this is the shirk which is outside the fold of Islam, and this does not bring a person close to Allah, rather it, distance, it, it basically condemns a person to hellfire if he dies upon that without making tawbah. So this is very clear to us. We don't need to have a lengthy discussion. But what we need to discuss here is the innovated, the bid'i, the innovated type of tawassal. Because this is where these people have the shubahat, they have the doubts and arguments that they bring. So the tawassal, which is innovated, and the one in which there is contention, is this issue of seeking nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by way of the status and the position of, for example, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, or with anyone else. So for example, a person says, Oh Allah, I ask you by the status of the Messenger, or I ask you by the nobility and the honor of the Messenger of Allah, or I ask you by the right of the Messenger, by the haqq of the Messenger, or I ask you, so all of these types of words. And... At the same time, this person claims, he believes at the same time, that obviously I don't believe that anyone gives other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's no belief of shirk necessarily involved. You know, I believe Allah gives, I believe Allah has power and control over everything. But I'm just saying to Allah, oh Allah, I ask you to give by way of the right of the Messenger of Allah, or by the status of the Messenger of Allah. Now this type of tawassul is an innovated tawassul. It has no foundation in the Sharia at all, and rather they depend upon this, they have two types of evidences. The first evidence is based upon weak ahadith, fabricated ahadith, which are fabricated by liars, they have no, have no basis. And the second type of evidence is where they take an authentic hadith, but misinterpret the hadith. So this is what we look at, we look at these two situations in what, what remains. So first of all, there are many fabricated ahadith. For example, the messenger is claimed to have said, Tawassalu bi jahi 
فَإِنَّجَاهِ إِنْدَ اللَّهِ عَظِيمٌ He allegedly, the messenger said, seek nearness to Allah, make tawassal to Allah by my honor. For indeed my honor with Allah is mighty. This is a fabricated hadith. It is, it's, it's, has no basis whatsoever. And another example is of a weak hadith. أَسْأَلُكَ بِحَقِّ سَائِلِينَ عَلِيكَ I ask you by way of the right of those people who ask you which, which they have upon you. Again, this is a weak hadith. And there are many examples of ahadith, some of them which are absolutely fabricated. One of the favorite ahadith that they use is this hadith that relates to the story of Adam al-Islam. So this story is reported by Al-Hakim, but it is a fabricated hadith. In this story it is mentioned that Adam al-Islam, when he committed his sin and he ate from the tree, he said, O oh Allah, I ask you by the right of Muhammad oh, upon you, that you know that, that you that you that you that you forgive me. And then so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to him, How do you know Muhammad? And yet I haven't even created him yet. And Adam Islam said that I saw when you created me with your hand <clears throat> and I prostrated and the prost- and you and, and the prostrate and the angels prostrated to me, I saw written on the pillar of the throne, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. And then I knew that you would, you know, would not mention along with yourself except the most beloved of all of the creation to you. So then Allah said, I've indeed forgiven you, for if it had not been for Muhammad, I would never have created you. This is a fabricated hadith. It is a lie. And it is so fabricated that there's not just one liar in this chain, there are actually three liars in this chain, three fabricators in this chain. And from them the scholars mention that amongst them are those Abdullah bin Rashid and Abdurrahman al-Ifriqi and Abdullah bin Muslim bin al-Rashid and also another one Abdurrahman bin Luhi'ah. All of these three fabricators and one who is weak. So this hadith is absolutely baseless and it is a fabrication upon the messenger of Allah sallallahu So this is what they rely upon. They have nothing in the Quran, nothing in the Sunnah, nothing from the action of the Sahaba. And then they, their dependence is upon fabricated hadith. <coughs> now, <coughs> they do have an authentic hadith, which is, uh, you know, which some scholars make to be authentic. And this is the hadith, the famous hadith of the blind man. There was a blind man, and he came, and this blind man came to the Messenger of Allah, and he asked the Messenger of Allah, to make dua for him. So he came physically to the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, and he said, O Messenger of Allah, call upon Allah for me. And so the Messenger, وسلم, he basically uh, said to him, <clears throat> If you wish, I'll make dua for you. And if you want, have sabr, and it will be good for you, it will expiate your sins. Meaning that. Uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you prefer to have patience, that, that would be uh, like another way. And so, the blind man, he said, rather, I want you to make dua for me. I want you to make dua for me. So the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa he then said to him, go to your house, make wudu' 
make wudu, make, make uh, you know, uh, make uh, so ablution, make an ablution, and then he ordered him to pray two rakaz, pray two rakaz, and then he said, then make dua, then make dua to Allah subhanahu wa taala. <clears throat> now look at the situation. Now when we look at the narration, when we look at the the hadith in full, we see that there's a part in the hadith where when this man he then makes the dua to Allah, he says, Allahumma. إِنِّي أَتَوَجَّهُ إِلَيْكَ بِنَبِيِّكَ مُحَمَّدٍ نَبِيِّ الرَّحْمَةِ نَبِيِّ الرَّحْمَةِ يَا مُحَمَّدٍ إِنِّي تَوَجَّهْدُ بِكَ إِلَى رَبِّي So the, 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 this blind man, he said, O oh Allah, indeed, I turn to you through your Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Prophet of mercy. And O oh Muhammad, through you have I turned to my Lord. So they take this part of the hadith, this part of the hadith. And then they take this part of the hadith out from its proper meaning. What is the proper meaning? The proper meaning here is that the blind man went and he sought the dua of the Prophet ﷺ. Because this is from the permitted forms of tawassal. And then they took it out from its proper meaning. And then they said it means to seek nearness to Allah by the physical body of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, or the honor of the Prophet sallallahu or the status of the Prophet sallallahu and so they took it away from its proper meaning, and then we see that there are eight angles of refutation in this hadith, because they don't quote the full hadith; they leave the beginning part and they leave the end part, and they just tell you what the blind man said in his supplication. So there are eight points of refutation. So the first of them is, first of all, that if as they claim. It is permissible to call upon Allah and say, Oh Allah, I ask you by the physical body of the Messenger of Allah, or the status and the position of the Messenger of Allah. Then there's no need for this blind man to have gone through all the effort to leave his house and to go to the Messenger of Allah. He could have done it in his house. Anyone can do that in the house. Oh Allah, I ask you by the status of the Messenger of Allah. I ask you by the physical body of the Messenger of Allah that you give me so and so and that you give me such and such. Why do you need to go? It's not necessary. But the blind man, he went face to face to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Why did he go face to face? Well, this is, this is the first, first thing. He came to ask for the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That's the first point of refutation. <clears throat> the third, the, the, the second point of refutation is when he came to the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, he explicitly stated in his words, explicit in his words, he said, Ya Rasulullah, Udullaha an yu'afini. He said, O Messenger of Allah, call upon Allah, make dua to Allah that Allah cures me. This is explicit that he's asking for the Messenger to make dua for him. Very explicit, that's the second point. The third point of refutation is that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi he gave him a choice. He said, "Either have sabr, or I'll make du'a for you. Have sabr, or I'll make du'a for you." So we see that again, the context, the whole context is that the man is seeking the du'a of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alaihi That's the third thing that the Messenger gave him a choice. The fourth thing is. That the Messenger of Allah, when the man said, I want your dua, I want you to make dua for me, 
What did the Messenger say to him? He commanded him to do a number of things. He basically said to him to go home, to make wudu, which is a righteous action. He then said to him, make two raka'ahs of prayer, which is a righteous action. So two righteous actions. Then he said, follow this up with making dua to Allah. So he said, go back home, make wudu, then pray two raka'ahs. Then call upon your Lord. Call upon your Lord. So here, we see that the messenger is commanding him with the tawassul, which is legislated in the sharia. Tawassul by way of righteous deeds. So then he sent him back to go home and to do these deeds, then to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we look at this whole situation, what do we have? We have a number of things. We have the man coming, asking for the dua of the messenger of Allah. The Messenger of Allah gave him a choice. Dua or sabr. The man said, I want your dua. So the Messenger said, Messenger said, yes, yes, I will make dua for you. Now you go back home, you make wudu, pray to rak'az, and then you also make dua. Right, so now we have two people making dua. Then we see the fifth point is that, that if what these people claim that if it was legislated, and if it was the case that this man came for the physical body of the Messenger of Allah, or to make the wasl by way of the honor of the Messenger of Allah, then many of the other Sahaba would have been doing the same thing. We would have found it in the action of the Sahaba. We would have found du'as and supplications. Oh Allah, I ask you by the physical body, by the body of the Messenger of Allah, by the Messenger of Allah, we have absolutely nothing from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum in that regard. Rather, we see that they would only seek the supplication of the Messenger of Allah wasallam. Then we see point number six is that the man, when he made the dua to Allah, when he, when he went back and he made his dua, this man said, Oh Allah, accept my, uh, accept his supplication for me. Meaning, accept the supplication or the shafa'ah of the messenger for me. And, uh, yeah, so this is point number six, which means that the blind man is saying, oh Allah, accept the dua of the messenger for me. So this is the sixth point of refutation. And then the seventh point of refutation follows on. He also said at the end, وَشَفَعَنِي فِيهِ And he said, likewise, accept my supplication. Accept my supplication, which is for the... Messenger of Allah, meaning that I am asking you, Allah, to accept the supplication of the Messenger of Allah. So the blind man is also making shafa'ah for the Messenger of Allah, in the sense that he wants the Messenger's dua for him to be acceptable to Allah. So notice what's going on. The Messenger making dua for the blind man, and the blind man making dua that the Messenger's supplication for him is also accepted. All of this doesn't go outside of the permissible forms of tawassal that we mentioned early on. Okay? You know, the, the supplication of a righteous person, mentioning one's good deeds, and, you know, calling upon the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This whole incident doesn't go outside of what is legislated. Then finally, we see that there is no one from the Salaf who ever used this hadith, this hadith, whoever used it to argue for the innovated form of tawassal. There's no one 
who used this hadith for the innovated form of tawassal. Rather, we see that this whole incident is an incident that relates to dua, supplication, uh, which is a permitted form of tawassal. And finally, we finish, we come to an end with one final issue that they use, which is the, the fact that the Muslims used to go to Al-Abbas after the death of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Umar ibn al-Khattab used to do this. And there's a statement of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab, he used to say, Indeed, we used to, we used to turn to you, O Allah, by way of your Prophet. And then you used to grant us rain. And indeed, we now turn to you by way of the uncle of the, of the Prophet. So give us, give us rain. So this is Umar ibn Khattab saying this. And so they take this statement and again they interpret it in a way other than what is in the facts. Right? So they take it to mean, see, Umar ibn Khattab, he used to go to, he used to seek um, tawassal to Allah by way of the body of Al-Abbas, by way of the status of Abbas, by way of the honor of Al-Abbas. And this is false. Because what is meant here is, what, what the meaning of Umar means is, that whilst the messenger was alive, we used to seek closeness to Allah by way of you. Meaning we used to, used to ask the messenger to make dua. And now we seek closeness to Allah by way of the uncle of the messenger, meaning that we go to him and we, make, we ask him to make dua. So the whole statement is in relation to the dua, the dua of a righteous person. So in this there is nothing uh, at all. And we see that did Umar ibn al-Khattab, was he sitting in his house and saying, O oh Allah, I ask you by way of Al-Abbas to give us rain? Or did he go to Al-Abbas and say, O oh Al-Abbas, call upon Allah, do the, do the prayer for the rain, so that Allah may give us rain. Which of the two did he used to do? You know, this, is, this is a revilement upon Umar ibn al-Khattab to claim and to lie upon him that what he was doing here was the innovative tawassal of the Sufis. This is a lie. Was Umar sat in his house saying this speech? No. He went to Al-Abbas. And the same with every other type of tawassal which involves the dua of a righteous person. So with this, we come to the end of our discussion of a tawassal. And now coming back to the poetry, because you know, Ibn Taymiyyah in what is ascribed to him, he said, We now understand that this tawassal here that he is speaking of, why is it tawassal? How can it be tawassal? It is tawassal because loving the Ahlul Bayt is an action of the heart. Loving Ahlul Bayt is an action of the heart. And an action of the heart is a righteous deed that is loved by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so therefore, this enters, uh, this, this uh, tawassal here enters into the tawassal which is legislated in the sharia, the tawassal by way of one's righteous actions. So it is as if it is being said, Oh Allah, I love the Ahlul Bayt. I love the Sahaba. This is a righteous deed from my behalf. And by way of this, I am seeking nearness to you. So all of this comes under the legislated permissible forms of tawassal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this concludes our discussion of the second or the third line of this poetry. And this takes us on now to the next line of poetry, which refers to the, the virtues and the excellences of the Sahaba. So this line 
we spoke about loving the Sahaba. In general, loving all of the Sahaba. And loving the Ahlul Bayt. And the next line of poetry, وَلِكُلِّهِمْ قَدْرٌ وَفَضْلٌ سَاطِعٌ لَكِنَّمَا السَّدِيقُ مِنْهُمْ أَفْضَلُ That each one of them has a virtue and an excellence. But Al-Siddiq, but Al-Siddiq, which is Abu Bakr, he is the most virtuous of them all. So inshallah ta'ala, we will address, or we'll start to uh, discuss this line, inshallah ta'ala, in our next lesson. And this concludes today's lesson. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.